0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Beer Guts and Buttercuts. My name is Jacob, one third of the hosting committee. With me, as always, I've got Caddy Josh. Yo, yo, yo. And Mr. Carmen. What's going on? So, as you guys know from last week, uh, we introduced a new segment on our show. It's called The Scramble. Uh, this is the second episode in that series, season one, episode two. <laughs> If you don't remember what the scramble is, basically it's each one of us brings an article or a story or something golf-related that we want to talk about. We bring it here on the podcast, and we just simply talk about it. So we're going to walk through it, kind of give you an idea of what the article is, um, and then we're just going to kind of discuss how that relates to us, our game, or just have a general conversation. But before we get started with that, I want to make sure that you guys remember our beer of the week is the Kona Big Wave um if you listen to our first episode you know that we're big fans of it uh love to have it on the course with us uh it's got a really nice taste to it if you want to check them out go to konabrewingco.com you can check out all their other different brews they've got apparel they've got everything you could ever want related to kona if you want to follow us on instagram and check out the tuesday tool of the week you can follow us at bgbc podcast. On Twitter, you can follow us at bgbc underscore podcast. And if you want to email us and get in touch with us, contact us at bgbcgolf at gmail.com. And please do it. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to know what topics you guys want us to cover. Uh, and that's going to help us tremendously. And then we'll be able to interact with you guys. And then we'll build a relationship. And then that relationship will turn into something beautiful. And then it'll be happy, happy for everybody. Um So let's jump right into it. Josh, you have the first article. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, Tell us why you picked it and we'll go from there. So my article comes from
1: Golf Digest and it's the five things you need to focus on to shoot your career round. Um, I chose this article because for me, my mental game is what needs to sharpen up if I want to lower my handicap. I feel like my swing's straight. I feel like as long as I'm focusing on that tempo, and getting into the ball and staying with my swing, then it's all mental from there, and that's where I lose it the most out there, and that's what's got to sharpen up. So reading through this article really allowed me to kind of like I know I've already already done these things here and there, but maybe focusing on them more consistently and applying it to my game all the time and not so here and there and hit or miss because that's what's causing these 90 rounds sometimes and stuff like that. So a little summary is the first thing is your career round is not going to be a perfect round. Uh, They talked about focusing on shot shape and playing your game. If you can't draw the ball or hit a flop shot, there's no reason to try it and do things that you can't do or have never practiced because more than likely, it's probably not going to work out unless you get lucky. Um, The goal is to keep tee shots in play and give yourself the chance to make putts. That's where those career rounds will benefit. Uh the second thing they talked about is becoming consistent from 15 and 30 feet when you're putting. Uh distance control is what causes is what causes three putts, not poor reading skills. We need to focus more on lagging the ball towards the hole and giving yourself tapping for a par to keep you alive. Not everything has to go in first try with the perfect read. You'll drive yourself crazy like I do all the time in the past. Uh the third thing is trusting yourself. You gotta be able to find your focus to use when you play. Your swing thoughts need to be simple and consistent. Uh, For me, like I say all the time, mine is tempo. If I tell myself, you know, keep your tempo under control, be smooth to the ball, then I know more than likely most of the time I'm going to hit a good shot. So trusting yourself and having a few of those swing thoughts and not focusing on like a million different things can really kind of keep you more relaxed and you don't feel like your mind's racing a thousand miles an hour. You feel like, you know, if I can focus on these couple things, my game will succeed more. And that career round might come a lot faster than it won't. And then the last thing, which is four and five kind of together, is never get two up or two down. You can only control so much and emotions are one of them. So errors will be made on the course, even during your career round. And you got to laugh at the bad. And then when you're on a roll, you got to keep trusting yourself. Because you're obviously doing something well. So there's no reason to be like, holy shit, I just made three birdies. Like, what the hell's going on? Because, hey, 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 knocking on the door, triple bogey. So my biggest takeaway from this article for me would be the last one, the four and the five, the never getting too up or two down. Um, I'm an emotional person. I'll admit it. Um, and as a golfer, I need to learn to, like, hold that middle ground a lot better and keep my head in it. And as soon as I duff that first shot, I don't need to be launching that wedge toward the golf cart, you know? I need to keep cool and I need to recover and I gotta keep it between the ears and control my emotions a little better.
0: I want you to take the time, go on YouTube and watch Jason Duffner win the PJ Championship. Wow. That man did not have a single smile or a single frown throughout the round. Okay. I mean, he just takes emotion out of it. I mean, even recently, like he made a sixty-foot eagle putt um, at a Memorial, and he just it dropped, and he just did this right here, just a, just a simple hammer pump, and he, no emotion, no smile. He did yeah, one. just that. You see, but with with that, I feel
1: like you can differentiate a little bit. I I mean, I think when you do, like, I understand what you're saying. You know, he stayed calm, only gave you that little baby fist pump, kept it rolling, stayed on pace, did what he had to do. I will go and watch that. It probably will benefit me. And I do understand what you're saying. But at the same time, I think it's good. Like, you know, you just rolled in a 30-foot bomb and saved par. Like, fist pump, get excited, and then refocus, get back in between your ears, and then – What's going forward? That next tee shot has to be in play. So how can you refocus after finding the celebration?
2: Yeah, no, I'm,
1: I'm a hundred percent with you, Josh. Like, especially I get it
2: if you're a pro and you do it for a living, like you just have to reset each shot. You know, you've got so many more, but for us, man, you pipe a drive, be happy about it. I'm not saying go nuts and go jumping up and down, but we have so many frustrations on the course. Like we have, at this point we have more downs than ups as far as playing. I mean, that's, that's the reality. So definitely not like living in the past of, Oh, I hit that great putt back on five, but here we are on 14. I've tripled every hole since. Yeah. But like, you know, enjoying the round and yeah, you make a big shot, give a fist pump, you know, talk about it with your buddies. And then, yeah, I mean, don't live in the past and, and, don't necessarily carry that, and then you lose focus of your round. But, you know, I feel like it is really important, especially for kind of the amateur players like us, to celebrate the good shots and enjoy the round. And I think it's a lot more important to not get too down when you make mistakes because it's going to happen. And we're all guilty of that, especially myself, of just making a couple bad shots and then just getting so frustrated
1: to the point where, it's just bleeding over to the rest of the round. I mean, I was losing it at Lockwood Folly, and then I found this article, read a little bit about it, and went out and tore Tidewater Water up. Like that's that's the thing. Like you
2: just have to to enjoy enjoy the round in general. You know, we're gonna make mistakes, but you know, obviously don't get too high, but more importantly, don't get too low. Yep. Have fun, enjoy it. Um, but you know, not enough, don't say even keeled enjoy the good shots. I mean, there aren't that many of them for us. Man, we, are, right. we are
0: amateurs. We're not PGA Tour players. Exactly. Listen, when, when I step onto the court, <laughs> I'm trying to win a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go as low as possible. And I know that if I get too flustered, it's not going to happen. Now, from time to time, I've, I've gotten a lot better when I was younger. I used to throw clubs a lot. I can't tell you last time I threw a club. Um, so I've gotten better about that, but I'll just, I don't go like, Oh my, what the, like, why did I do that? Like, ah, what am I doing? I'll just be like, man, like, come on, like, get yourself together. Like what the heck? Like (laughs) what the heck? But, but I think the biggest thing that you you can take away from the article, which I mean, you have your own, but was the putting the work on the lag. putts. like, don't beat yourself up because you didn't just drain the 45 footer. Thinking in your head, all right. I know I'm probably going to miss this putt. The odds are against me to make this putt. But what can I do to tap in? Like, yeah. And I think that it was spot on. Just because you three putt does not because mean that you read the putt wrong. It's because your distance control. Sure. Combination of, but, uh, of a lot of, but that. like they're saying, article from fifteen
1: and thirty feet. Yeah, you know, you're like. You know, and even, like, I remember seeing a video on Tiger, and he's like, you know, I really wasn't trying to make that putt. Like, he he said it multiple times before. It'll be, like, a long one, and he makes a crazy putt, and they're like, oh, you know, what were you thinking? What was the process? And he's like, you know, I really wasn't trying to make it. I was telling myself, if I can hit it on this line with this speed, it'll give me a chance to make par with a tap in, and I can get on and go with my round and then figure out a way to make that birdie. So I think that's big for amateurs because – the more that you have, even if it is, like, a tap-in bogey save, like, that's great for amateurs because, you know, you're keeping yourself alive. You just eliminated that double or that triple that we find so many times. I mean, I had five doubles on Friday. I think I had two or three the next day. I actually only had two or three at Lockwood Folly and still played the worst because I had a ton of bogeys. But then on, on uh, Sunday, the last day, I made – Three doubles and three birdies. If you even take those doubles and make them into bogeys, like, that's – I'm in the 70s, I think, or even – or right at 80. You know what I mean? Like, I saved those strokes because those bogeys and that three birdies would have canceled out and put me to even par for those six holes. Yeah. I completely agree with you, and that was probably my next on the list, but I definitely – feel like the never get too up or too down is something really big to focus on going forward as well.
0: That's for everybody. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. And that's what, that's another thing that I found out about this article is that, you know, I really enjoyed the information because I think that these ideas are simple enough to where everybody can apply to them, to their game, no matter what their swing shape is, no matter what their thought process is, like everybody's got a different game, but these are five simple things or four, whatever you want to count it. And everybody can apply them to their type of game, and they should be more successful if they can focus on
0: them. Well, I mean, another thing too is you know it's it's saying that you you should really know your miss because if you know your miss, then you'll know what to expect out on the course. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard when you're an amateur and you're just getting into the game because you're going to have a lot of misses. And you don't really know where it's going to go sometimes. Once, but once you lock it down and you, you feel like you're in a rhythm, you know what your miss is. Which
1: I feel like I'm at a point where I'm kind of like that. There's yeah. only a few shots sometimes where I'm like, all right, I just messed that up. And, or I, don't, even, and I don't know why
0: I cut. Even but. if even if your miss is ever-changing, where it's like one week it's a pull, next week it's a push, go into that round knowing, okay, lately this has been my miss. Recognize exactly. it and then replan. Yeah.
2: I think that's what's so important about going to the range, if you can, before the round. Because, one, you get heated up. But also, if you're hitting – if you hit driver ten times on the range and you know you're missing right, you're probably going to be missing right that day. Yeah. So, understanding one, getting warmed up and going through it, but also kind of getting to know your tendency for that day because it's going to change pretty much – Every time we go out there, there's going to be something a little bit different. I mean, that's just what it is to be an amateur. That's why the pros are so good is because they are so consistent. Mm -hmm. So Go out there, get warmed up, but also know, all right, well, I'm pulling off it a little bit today. So let me just either consciously try and fix that or, you know what, I'm just going to play a big, big hook today. Not necessarily a duck hook, but. You're pulling it left. All right, well, I'm just going to aim right and let's just try to play with it today and fix that
1: the range later. And that is another thing with these nicer courses. Like, all three courses we played this weekend had range balls included because yeah. they higher-level courses, they're nicer, and they're a little bit more pricey. So they go ahead and include the range balls. I think Lockwood Folly was the only one that didn't hit range balls, and that was because we got there a little later than we hoped. And we kind of just putted and chipped and then got on our way, you know, to try to keep up with the tee time. We didn't want to, like, stretch it. But, like, Norman course, uh, we actually didn't hit range balls at the Norman course because their shuttle broke down. And they couldn't take us over there. But, <laughs> but the last day, we got to hit range balls right before we went off, and it made a world of difference, obviously.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely does. Like, when it, it's hard when you step onto the first tee straight out of the car. You probably didn't stretch, let's be real. Um, I don't think I've ever
1: stretched for a single
0: round of golf. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I'm saying. i when we played high school golf. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like it, it makes it so much tougher. And then you're probably going to be more inconsistent because you don't have a rhythm going into it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, there's a lot of these. This article is great because it, it came more from a mental aspect but, except for the uh, putting one. But, I mean, that's such a huge component of the game. And that's why a lot of those professional athletes have sports psychologists. Yeah. So for that sure. the, so that when they get into these situations, they know how to handle. Them. Might have to hire my own. So yeah, I mean I, that was a really good article. I hope you, I hope you guys took a little bit from it. I hope, yeah. I hope it helps you as well. And we'll we'll post these on our Instagram and Twitter so that you guys can take a look at them too. Um, but so we'll move on to my article. I decided to go with something a little more relaxed, more fun. Um, I've got ten wild, outlandish predictions for. Professional golfers in 2020, or professional golf in 2020. Uh, it's an article from Golf World, published in January of this year. Uh, so a lot of th- some things have changed. Two of them I'm not even going to talk about because they're they're not even valid. Um, but we'll start with number one, or excuse me, we'll start with number two. The year's most unforeseeable comeback will belong to Victor DuBosson, who's a French golfer, I believe. Um, you know, probably not someone that you hear a lot about, but on the European tour, he uh, he was kind of a staple for being out there to compete a lot. Um, he's been on the Ryder Cup for the Europe team a lot, but he's currently number 468 in the world, so almost getting into the realm of like where Tiger Woods was, you know, at one point where he was way down, way, way down, and so. They're they're saying that this year is going go to get a victory. He's going to get everything back going. Uh, they're going to see him at Whistling Straits, so they're they're saying that that's going to be one of the predictions. The next one is Sergio Garcia will do or say something controversial. No. um, probably the most likely of all of them because you know he's been kind of a controversial player his whole career. Uh what they said in this one was, if you say something vague enough, it almost has to come true. And with Sergio, with his track record, it more than likely is going to come true. I want to say that he's already said something a little controversial. I don't know if it was a little. It might be a lot. (laughs) Have you guys heard about it? Yeah, I got it right here. (laughs) I don't
2: think I know what you're talking about.
1: It was when they first returned from coronavirus and Sergio Garcia says he feels bad for Nick Watney's positive COVID-19 test and that others deserved it a lot more than him. How could you say that during a time (laughs) like this in the world, that more people deserve to get the coronavirus than him? Like, it's one, it's literally random. Like, you don't know when you're going to get it or how you're going to get it unless you can track back in the details and figure out who you got it from. But it's like, How can you say that about other people just because, you know, you don't like their philosophies and the way they think, and maybe they were, like, a dick to you back in the future. You know what I mean? mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt.
0: You're going to do what?
2: I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe because English is his second language, Uh, that that words were kind of mixed up there. Like, he didn't deserve this, and the way he – now, I'm not a Sergio fan, So I'm just, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate sort of, but I don't know. Like that seems, I don't, obviously I don't have the tone or anything of how he's saying it, but I think that it's possible that that could have been uh, twisted a little bit and that he didn't necessarily say, oh, he deserves it. He doesn't. You know what I mean?
1: Or he could have took a completely different approach. And just
2: not said it. I, no, or, I'm
1: not saying it was a smart
2: thing to do, but he's never been known for uh, thinking before he speaks.
0: Or a third you know? option, he most definitely said it. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, he. I, mean, I hate to bring it up, but the guy said that he was going to invite Tiger Woods over to have fried chicken.
2: Yeah, right.
0: yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know. <laughs> When did he say That's, that? This Pretty was deadly. like when they had a big rivalry oh, like back in the day. Back in the day. Damn. That's yeah. crazy. I it, mean, uh... he's, a, he's a hothead. He's got no class. Even when he came up to the tour, he was throwing clubs, throwing shoes. I mean, the guy's borderline insane. And Brooks
1: got mad at him uh, a few years back for um, he like dropped a shot in the sand and then he ended up like smashing the sand with yeah. his club. And he was like, you know, don't act like a baby out here, like you're a professional like you don't do that to the course during these times. Yeah. So, and he's
0: he's so that guy got one already. Uh number 4 Rory McIlroy will retire from golf. Absurd. Absurd. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. With the
1: with the article, he did state in the beginning that they are outlandish and they are random predictions and you're a genius if it works and you're not if it doesn't. And this fact, he's not a genius because there's no way Rory McIlroy retires from golf after 2020.
0: Here's here's his thing about it. He said that, you know, Rory has been one of the great golfers of our era. Um, he's one of the younger guys that has a really good philosophical mindset to the game, and he's he almost acts older than he really is. And sure. so he thinks that he's going to grow out of golf. He's going to think that, you know, they're – better things that I can be doing with my life than playing professional golf. But, I mean, like Josh said, these are wild and outlandish predictions, but that's kind of his reasoning behind it. Um, Number five, Ernie Ells will disappear from public life as he plots the next President's Cup in a secret lair. (laughs) I think this is hilarious. This one is funny. Um, Going off of the heartbreak of 2019, um, he's kind of created this uh, vendetta against Tiger in the in the President's Cup. They've become rivals, friendly rivals, not like they hate each other or anything. They have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah, of course. Um, and so he's trying to figure out how Europe can uh, take back the uh, President's Cup.
1: I don't see this one happening either just because he's on the Champions Tour now for this first year and he's going to be playing in those events, stuff like that. But Well,
0: I don't see it because he probably doesn't own a secret lair. <laughs> He's probably got the money to build one. He probably, probably does. And he's
2: already played a few events this year, so in one of the regulatory. He played
0: uh Harbor Town, I believe. Yeah, he did. So here's one that I think is <laughs> is starting to happen already. Uh number six, golf media will grow by billions of dollars because of Patrick Reed. <laughs> for sure. Uh in- lot- inadvertently.
1: I mean he's due for one crazy
0: thing a year. Last year was digging in the sand. Who knows what it's going to be this year. A lot of controversy surrounding him, and a lot, he receives a lot of hate, uh, especially on Instagram, like on all the meme accounts and all the, you know, PGA uh, parody accounts. They do, they do a lot of dogging on Patrick. He's really. got a easy target on his back. He does, man. I mean, when you have a track record of, of being a cheater and, you know, even back to your college days. Yeah. Yeah. He... He's got
2: such a punchable face too. Like it doesn't help his situation.
1: Which like imagine how different Patrick Reed's career would be if he wasn't such a loser of a person. Like he's like such a sick golfer and has achieved a lot. And imagine if he had the fans behind him, like what like what he could be doing to the game, supposedly. Maybe.
0: I mean definitely like great player. I'm not taking anything away from him there, but not that great of a guy. (laughs) Uh Go, Team Josh. But, anyways, so let's go to number seven. Here's one that I think would be, they would definitely shake out the golf world. There will be a fist fight between golfers at the WGC Dell match play. Um, They they say that in the age of social media and being able to take shots at each other subliminally, you know, there's a chance that some emotions will get heated, especially in a match play event. Uh, or it's just mano-a-mano, mono. egos get ramped up, adrenaline gets pumping, maybe there's a fist fight. Um, I want to say, when was it? Keegan Bradley and Miguel Angel Jimenez, they got into a beef. It was the it was
1: Keegan Bradley's caddy, yeah. Jimenez. Yeah. And then Keegan Bradley stepped in and was like, you shut your mouth and don't talk to my caddy that way.
2: Yeah. But I think this one and your last one could
1: go hand-in-hand. Hand. It could. Because I could see saying- Pat Free being in the center of the – Sorry, go ahead, Carmen.
2: No, I was done. I was just saying Patrick Reed
1: could be the cause of that very easily. The only thing that hurts this clause is that they're not actually playing the Dell match play this year because it was canceled due to coronavirus.
0: Maybe at an the... event. I so thought out... that
1: one was postponed. Uh, it says Dell match play canceled due to coronavirus concerns. I stand corrected. All right. March 9th, 2020. But it could be cool, it could it's be cool bad. at a different event. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I mean, I would love it. I mean, I don't know if there's. Has it ever happened? Has there ever been an actual fistfight on the PGA tour? I don't think so. In the middle of play, could you imagine?
0: Probably not in the middle of play. If anything, it would have been like in the locker room. I'm sure. I mean, I'm you,
1: sure in the locker room there. I mean, been, you, you gotta be too down to have a fistfight out on the course with another player during the live tournament. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's got to be something very disrespectful. <laughs> like something crazy has to go down for that to happen. Something very disrespectful. Uh number 9 there will be something called paint gate where we learn that most golf courses on the tour are spray painting their fairways. Ooh. Which that could be a little, con- I mean not controversial but I mean it would definitely take away from the wow factor of the tournament that they play at. Yeah.
1: Here's my only devil's advocate argument to that is that I did maintenance this past semester for one semester, three months at a local course. And when it was time to fertilize and spray the course, the fairways, the greens, around the greens, stuff like that, the chemicals that we buy that are produced, and I'm sure the PGA tour uses a lot of similar ones. Maybe they have better ones. I'm not sure, but they're already blue and yellow. So when you mix them, they're already green. So that's just them taking the technology that they have and what they use to spray the greens and stuff like that. And they're already making it green to match with the
0: grass. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, even working at Old Bow, like, we sprayed a lot of stuff, too. But these are PJ Tour events. These are nice courses. They have plenty of money to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, like I said before, I think it would take away from some of the value and some of the, like, You know, maybe some other courses are worth mentioning to be played on tour as opposed to others. Yeah. If if they're spraying. But then at the same time, you know, you get to these courses that
1: are in a lot of hot heat during the year and they're Bermuda-based. Like, those are going to go dormant. Those are going to go brown. So, if the course wants a green for the tournament, you know, they're going to go spray those chemicals, and they're going to make it more appealing. But I completely understand your point as well.
0: Shut the and course down and spend
1: some money. Shut the, shut the course down completely and rechange all grass. Well, you're going to have a
0: PGA-sanctioned event. You're going to get plenty of money from it.
1: Yeah. I I, think it's, sometimes I think it's sick when it's, like, all dormant, like, all brown. And you just, like
0: – Yeah, I mean, sometimes on, on, on tour, like, on TV, you can see the brown spot. Yeah. Especially on the green sometimes. Yeah. Especially links link style were you going to say something Barnes? Yeah, I was just saying the amount of money and
2: technology that they have. I mean, the reason Pinehurst is getting the US Open again is because now they can keep those the greens and fairways green in that heat. The reason they went away for so long is just like they just burn out in the, the Carolina heat, but now with the new irrigation that they've got and all the new technology, there's no excuse for these courses to be painting their greens or painting their fairways. Yeah. And so but it would be controversial so I mean the statement is correct in that in that regard
0: so the last one on the list Brooks Kepka was secretly rattled by his PGA championship win and will never be the same and
1: oh, I hope we, so. we, I mean we're kind of seeing it right now It's kind of
0: scary you we're kind of seeing it right now he's fighting. He's finally getting to get into the playoffs. His brother's
1: he, playing better than him. He
0: just, he just recently missed the cut in a not a, like a hard field to compete in. Yeah, Not one of the hardest courses on tour. You know, I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen. He's rattled. But he might be rattled. He's, I mean, he's rattled. <laughs> I don't know how you get rattled by a PG Championship win. I feel like that would motivate you and like get you, you know, rocking and rolling. But. I
2: don't know. I, I mean, that,
0: it, It's definitely a wild prediction.
2: Yeah, because the thing is, like, he's never played normal events great, but he hasn't been missing cuts and playing as bad as he's been these last few weeks. You know I mean? Usually it's just he'll make the cut, and then Saturday and Sunday he'll just be working on stuff, and he'll finish, you know, 20th or something like that. But he's been playing – he's also had stretches of holes where he goes, like, birdie, 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 but then he'll throw in a double bogey just – Making some really bad shots, so it's uh it's definitely something to watch. I mean, we haven't seen him play like this in a couple of years now since he's
0: gotten his starting.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, something to keep an
0: eye on. So, something to keep an eye on. So, those are uh, eight wild and outlandish, outlandish uh, predictions for professional golf. But if you want to check out the other two that we did mention, be sure to click the link on our page and you can read it for yourself. So now, going into Carmen, what article do you have for us today? All right, so on uh,
2: Golf Digest in April, there was an article of, uh, it was titled, Whose Career is Wildly Different If Tiger Woods Didn't Exist? And I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people have probably thought about before. Anytime a really dominant team or athlete comes about, you can have this conversation, but maybe none more prevalent than Tiger Woods. I mean, he he is the most dominant solo athlete of all time across any sport, at least in my opinion, I'm sure, and most people's, to be honest with you. Because the run he was on from the late 90s to about 2013, before he got hurt, was just unbelievable.
0: I mean, definitely. Like, I'm pretty sure at one point him and Phil Mickelson were the top grossing athletes, and both of them, were professional golfers. Yeah. Back to back, both of them. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's a,
2: this is kind of a panel article. Uh, so each of these guys picked uh, someone different. So the first one was Chris DeMarco. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know a whole lot about him, to be honest with you. I uh, had heard the name a little bit. He does come on uh, golf channel every now and then to commentate. But the argument that they make is, uh, <clears throat> what is his name? The, guy, the guys writing this are Alex Myers, Joel Beal, Chris Powers, and Daniel Rappaport from Golf Digest. Uh, and Myers says, uh, the plucky player may have won just three career PGA titles, but he was out by Tiger in two majors, including the 2005 Masters. So you want to talk about a guy who could potentially have two major championships and what that could possibly do for his career for anyone's career. And he ended up only having, uh, let's see, two career victories. Three. Three career victories. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's, that could, that could chance life changing if he even wins one of those. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, that's, uh, they say it could make a case for a Hall of Famer. I think it's possible. Um, but, one thing that I was a bit offended by is the next guy I said is Ricky Fowler, this generation's Chris DeMarco with better marketing. Relax. Relax. Uh,
0: but I think he has a point here. Uh, I mean, given granted, Ricky's still young. He's still got plenty of time to do what he needs to do. But if he were to retire today, I think that he's right. You know, he's won he's on tour. He's basically won the fifth major, if you count the, the players. But. I mean, he – not that he's been beaten out by better players because he hasn't really had a good run at a major yet, I don't think, where he's, like, finished tied second or anything like that. It's almost like another Sergio Garcia thing where he, like, defeats himself. Well, I I don't even want to get into that conversation because (laughs) Sergio and Ricky are two totally different people.
1: I mean, I – (laughs) much as I love Ricky – I got to go with Jacob. I completely agree. I mean, the marketing behind this guy is amazing. Yeah. Besides his results. And I mean, it's I, a, hope, I hope he proves them wrong. I, I hope think, he goes down the road and gets more wins. But that's besides the fact. We're not talking about Ricky.
0: But I think also, like, one of the things is that he was the first, kind of like one of the first ambassadors for Puma Golf. And they probably just threw so much money at him for him to get onto the platform that he is now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's also he, already he's got 11
2: there. PGA wins. You know what I mean? I mean, as opposed to three, that's already significantly more.
0: Yeah, but also think about the technology that he's playing with now as, a per- as compared to Chris DeMarco. And he doesn't have
2: a Tiger Woods
0: absolutely dominating the field. Exactly. He just
2: got like four other people that are dominating the field. Yeah, it's like a rotation. Yeah. That will be an argument for a different time. Uh I guess I see where he's coming from. I just highly disagree. You guys do agree. Moving on. <laughs> Ernie Els is the next uh, candidate that they talk about. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting one because he's already a golf hall of famer, already one of the better players to play the game. Um, but kind of, he came in and towards, I guess, he's still playing, so not the end of his career, but as probably the back end of his prime is when Tiger was on his run. Um, so you go and you say, well, he would have been. He was briefly. Uh, world number one. He had already won a U.S. Open, and right after Tiger won the twelve-shot Masters victory, they talk about here. But Ernie Els was a number was the number two player in the world behind Tiger. So anytime you talk about that, is obviously you take Tiger out. He's right up there. Um, this one I don't necessarily agree with. I think they make a point later on is he still wouldn't have directly. The Masters win, so he wouldn't have the Grand Slam. So I think that when you get into talking about how different Ernie L's career would have been, how much different is it if he wins maybe another U.S. Open, but he still doesn't have the Grand Slam? He's still going to go down as one of the best players of all time, but does it really take him to top five status unless he gets the Grand Slam?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's already a legend in his own right. Um, I think with with in a, t- in a non-Tiger existence. He'll win two more majors uh, due to being runner-up second. Um, but I, I don't really think that Ernie Els is the best answer. Yeah. I mean, he's already established himself. Uh, yeah, maybe he becomes higher up on the list of greatest golfers of all, of all time. But even with two more majors, he's probably still falling in the same area that he is now. And he and technically, he's not still not done playing. So he right. could win some more. That would be a story. Wouldn't it? Dude, this
1: quote here, though, from the article where they're talking about Els, instead, he played during an era in which he knew even his best golf probably wasn't going to beat the best player. I mean, just imagine reading that and, like, you stepping out in that field and you know even if you absolutely strike this ball, you're not going to beat this guy.
0: Well, I think how-
2: that's, that's
1: a great point.
2: I mean, just, like, the mental aspect of having to play in a tournament with Tiger Woods during that time, for any
0: golfer, nonetheless, some of the best in the world. Yeah. When Tiger Woods stepped into a tournament field, he knew he was going to win. That's, yeah. what, that's what separated him from everybody else. And then after 2013, when he got injured, he didn't have that same mindset anymore. And I think that's why he started to struggle. Also, he had injuries. Yeah. You know, that definitely played a factor too. But when he was younger, he knew he had, he was going to step in there and possibly Pretty much win, and like some
1: of the betting odds they would give for him, like two to ones and stuff like that. Yeah. Like people were like, "Like that's all I get," you know what I mean? Like they say it in those documentaries and stuff. How crazy? Yeah, what an animal, literally.
2: But I mean, again,
1: Ernie Els.
2: Who ne- Again, don't not to discount another two major championships. Like that's still a huge deal. Mm-hmm. But he's already he's already one of the best. It doesn't necessarily take him. That much higher without the Grand Slam, so maybe this isn't the best answer. But you can make a case for any golfer that played against Tiger Woods and finished second to him. That for any, sure. you know, especially some of the young guys who finished runner up to him that never won. One win could have changed their lives, you know. So uh, there isn't necessarily a wrong answer, although I do believe there is one later in this article. We'll get there. Um, the next pick would be my personal pick, and that's Phil Mickelson. I'm on track with you. Because – For me, this is a no-brainer. It's got to be Phil. I agree. Because, obviously, Phil, already Golf Hall of Famer, 44 wins, a ton of majors, but he doesn't have the Grand Slam. And he finished runner-up to Tiger at Bethpage in 2 So, that would have gotten him his U.S. Open. So, he's got the Grand Slam checked off. But also, let's see. There were nine 1 2 finishes with Tiger and Phil during his career. Now, Phil won five of those nine, but that's still another four career victories to add there. Another major title. And who knows if he, the mental aspect going into a tournament, even as talented as Phil Mickelson was, but knowing he's
1: nowhere near the level of Tiger was. Yeah. Dude, the thing that shocked me the most about that, this statement here from Rappaport, is that. It remains one of the most, one of the more unbelievable stats in golf that the lefty never reached world number one. I was I did just not going to say know that. that. And, I didn't know
0: it either. And that's unbelievable to me. But he spent more than 700 weeks in the top 10 is crazy. I mean, just uh, one of, he's going to be overlooked
2: a little bit because he's obviously, without a doubt, top 10. And you can make a case top five. But without Tiger, he's the best player of the generation. And who knows, maybe when you get into that mentality, because Tiger said that he fed off of it, of just knowing that he was the best fueled him. If you put Phil in that position, who knows? He might win more than just the ones that he lost to Tiger. So he See? might go one. He wouldn't have 80 wins like Tiger, because Tiger was just that much of an animal. But he would have launched himself into a conversation for maybe the best of all time.
0: Thanks. I mean, yeah, true, definitely. I mean, that's I, why we all agree. <laughs> I, I think, I think that Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods is still the debate. Yeah. Um, maybe could even throw in Bobby Jones. Um, but if, if there is no Tiger Woods, then I think that you have to put Phil as the next best. Yeah,
1: but I did like the point they made somewhere in the article where it was like without Tiger, does Phil push himself that much harder? You know, also does true. does he lose track? He, loved, he loves betting. He loves doing those kinds of things. Does he lose track of himself with more success? Or does he, you know, or because of Tiger, he went to the range more and got even nastier. So I did like that point, but I'm still not changing my answer. Phil Mickelson is the biggest regret.
2: Yeah. I agree. I mean, and it's – I think it, you could also say – it's so impressive that Phil has still had the career he's had in the Tiger era. Also true, you know, 44 career wins, 51 if you include uh, European Tour, I believe 51 is the number. years. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's
1: missing the Grand Slam by one right now.
0: Oh, so many second place finishes. It's, it's honestly, it's crazy how many second place finishes he has at the U.S. Open. He's
2: back at Wingfoot, the site of his biggest meltdown. Maybe he pulls it off this year, fellas.
1: Honestly, Maybe he gets it in the books. I hope so. I hope I so do too. It. I manifest for him.
0: When when I was younger, and the whole Tiger and Phil thing was going on, I did not like Phil at all. I, I didn't like him. I wanted Tiger to beat his ass every freaking week. But now, the more that I've gotten older, and the more that I've realized, you know what he's done for the game and how good of a player he is, I've started to become a big fan of. His. How can you, how can you hate him? Well, I, did, I just didn't like him. Be, it was mainly because Drew liked him a lot and <laughs> little brother <laughs> battle. And it was a brother rivalry where it was like, oh, my guy's going to kick your guy's ass. And then as the as years gone on, I was like, all right, you know, I, I get where he's coming from. Phil's a good guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's
0: uh, it's turned into a more friendly rivalry
2: lately. Yeah. I guess with age, that happens. You know, neither of them are young anymore. Yeah. And at um, the end of the day, you got to respect the other guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they were just going back and forth, and it was obviously one-sided, but for so long. I wish I would have been maybe a little bit older back then and appreciated golf more just to really watch both of them in their prime, Uh, what has been absolutely incredible. But, no, I I think we all agree that that is the the correct answer, but they do pick out a few more guys. And this next one, I just really disagree with a lot, and it's Sergio Garcia. Like, I –
0: I, I just, agree, I
2: agree too. It, yes, he would have won a PGA Championship, but it isn't as if, like, Phil, that he was just knocking on the door and tired of hip slamming it in his face. It was just that one victory. And everything else has been self-inflicted. He yeah. just
1: implodes on himself. Very true, because, I mean, the same argument that they made for Garcia, where, like, oh, if he wins in Medina, then he goes on and maybe wins a lot more. That same argument that can be made for a bunch of people that have only won, like, a major here and there and only yeah. other events. You know what I mean? It's Look like, at oh, yeah, for sure. For real. That's honestly a great pick. I didn't even think of that Carmen.
2: Yeah. Like it's, it, he, it's not like he's never won a major. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's won the master. So I don't understand. I guess I understand like the argument he's trying to make for the sake of the article, but you know, he grew up in the same, it was Sergio and tiger, very same era. Um, Sergio nowhere near tiger and talent or wins, but no, everything, all of his faults have been because of himself. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think more, yeah, I don't think that one win changes his confidence. I don't necessarily think he lacks confidence, he just lacks composure. And that one win at 19, I don't think changes that one bit. If anything else, maybe he becomes a little bit too cocky and more hot headed if he wins and has that success at an early age. I mean, it could go either way. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I don't see that as a crushing victory or a crushing defeat. More like, looking back on it, Phil losing to Tiger at the U.S. Open. It wasn't crushing, but looking back on it, it's like, wow, that one win puts him at another level. It doesn't do that for Sergio. Yeah. I mean, I
0: definitely
2: agree.
0: I, I don't think that... If, if Tiger didn't exist, I still don't think that Sergio would have been, like, a great career. Granted, if he would have won a Medina, he would have been 19, so that could, have, that could have launched his career. Even Tiger Woods didn't win a major until he was 21. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see where they're staying for the sake of the article, but I'm with you guys. I, I don't think that it makes that much of a difference.
2: Yeah, it's just I, – I mean, fair point, but moving on to the next. This one was interesting because it's probably a guy we've never heard of unless – You've seen the article before, and it's uh, Trip Kuhn. Yeah. He's All-American, never played on tour. He works at a hedge fund now, but he would have uh, – he said he would have gone pro if he had won the 94 U.S. Amateur at TPC Sawgrass, and he had Tiger five down with 12 holes to play, but Tiger came back and won. So, Kuhn decided he just didn't think he had what it takes mentally to play on tour so he didn't i mean very decorated player finishing second to tiger and his run of three straight u.s amateurs is nothing to sneeze at um but who knows if he wins he might be the next big guy on tour granted he said he has no regrets he went on to he's working in finance and he wouldn't have had his family without it and it's it's good to hear that just because something like that happened, it's not like it crushed his life. It launched himself into what he
1: wanted his life to be. Yeah, it gave him a different chapter, which is awesome for him. But yeah, it's awesome. not like a meltdown. <laughs> great like journalism here, though. They said uh, he lacked both uh, like the mental and the desire or the talent. And they said, which is why he chose business school instead of Q school. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I read it. I was like, man, that was a great way to put it.
0: I think my favorite thing from this article was at the very beginning where he said – where um, Joel Beal was talking about Rage of the Lost Ark. He said, Rage of the Lost Ark was on over the weekend and I stumbled on the part where Indiana Jones discovered the Well of Souls in the desert. And all I could think was Well of Souls would be a great name for Tiger's Trophy Room. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, I like that. that's, that's another really – that was a great good time.
1: Point. Out of all three articles – I like all three articles – I think they're very strong. I think they're very interesting. Uh, I think I love that we all had a different approach, but honestly, I was the biggest fan of Carmen's and thought that it was the most intriguing. And yeah. I, Once
2: I stumbled upon it, because I think everyone to a degree has wondered what golf would be like without Tiger. Now, all of these careers would have been enhanced, but the game of golf would not be near what it is today if Tiger Woods didn't exist. Very true. I think that's true. also something to take
0: into account. Yeah, well, I mean, this just had a lot of room for discussion, too. Yeah. Um, because there were plenty of other players that we could have mentioned and, you know, some players that we didn't know about with uh, Mr. BJ King.
2: Singh could have also – you could have made a, a case for him. You know, obviously, he still had a great career, and he was uh, – he had a great career before Tiger, too, but he has some battles with Tiger towards the end of his prime, and who knows, maybe he wins a few more tournaments, we think of him a little bit differently. He might be – Kind of in a category of underrated to a lot of people when you look at what he's done in his career.
1: Yeah, because they did say in the article they said L's and VJ Singh share the lead when it comes to runner-up finishes, which you know I didn't know that either. I wouldn't, I would have never even thought of BJ Singh. This was a
2: great What's article that? by them. I mean, I was,
1: I was really impressed with one. The topic's
0: interesting, but they did a really nice job putting it together. Well, it's cool because it had it was, it was a panel. You know, it wasn't just one guy writing the story. Yeah. So, and honestly, not- like.
2: If we had done this and maybe did a research into it, we wouldn't have come up with Sergio. But I think looking into it, we obviously would have come up with Phil. Yeah. Um, and come up with uh, with Ernie Els and maybe even Trip Kuhn because I know I Googled him after, after I read it. And there's been a bunch of articles detailing his life and, and how it was so different because of losing the Tiger. But again, in a really positive way, it isn't like – He had a mental breakdown like, the life was ruined. It just – he decided it just wasn't for him, and he's had a lot of success elsewhere.
0: Yeah, more power to him. Yeah. Definitely. So those were three good articles. That's kind of what you can expect from the scramble each week. Uh, Next week we'll have three new articles that we'll discuss. Um, But in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Instagram. We're going to be posting the Tuesday tool of the week this week. Uh, We want you guys to know what it is, and that way you can get some more information on it. Follow us on Instagram at bgbc podcast. On Twitter, you can follow us at bgbc underscore podcast. And like I said before, if you want to get in touch with us, send us in some topics, uh, give us some things that you want us to discuss, email us at bgbcgolf at gmail.com. And if you guys don't have anything else, I think it's going to wrap it up.
2: That's all for me.
0: I'm going to beat y'all's ass this week in the BGBC Cup. My team is coming strong. Y'all
1: watch out. Okay, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, talk to y'all later.